Welcome to Live at the Napa. You're here with JB, and today I've got special guest Tony Alexander. <laughs> Good accent. <laughs> hey, now last week, Dave and myself were talking about what's going to happen sort of over the next 10 years or so, taking some pretty big themes. And we promised that today we would probably take a step back and look at the New Zealand economy next year. So what better person to have on the podcast this week than yourself, Tony, to talk about that. So maybe a good starting point because we're always talking about mortgage rates. And, and for a long time, both Dave and myself have, have been sort of saying, hey, look, we expect rates to fall next year. Um, and slowly we've been starting to see evidence of that. What are you seeing and where's your view at at the moment? Yeah, the main development, and this is happening relatively quickly, is overseas we've been having the inflation numbers come in lower than expected, economic growth numbers, industrial production, etc., lower than expected, and the likes of the United Kingdom, Europe, and the United States in particular, and people increasingly optimistic that central banks offshore will be easing their monetary policies next year, and we've just had the Federal Reserve uh, say, right, we don't think we're going to have to tighten again, and in fact we reckon we'll be cutting our cash rate by three times in 2024, and that's led to to US interest rates rallying downward, which has put some downward pressure on bank wholesale funding costs here in New Zealand. And the interesting thing is that this happened just a few hours before we got far weaker than expected economic growth numbers here in New Zealand. The Reserve Bank thought our economy grew 0.3% in the September quarter. We actually shrank 0.3%. So a 0.6% uh, divergence. That's uh, big, eh? That's big. And more than that, uh, the previous three Three quarterly numbers were revised downward by Statistics New Zealand. So the New Zealand economy is about 1% smaller than the Reserve Bank actually thought at the moment. Yeah. So when they run that through their models, they'll be generating lower forecasts for inflation next year and the year after. And this means it's exceedingly unlikely the Reserve Bank will increase the cash rate again as they penciled in three <laughs> weeks ago. Um, and they also penciled in no rate reductions to the middle of 2025. Now, nah, I think we're looking at the cash rate being cut by uh, probably about the middle of uh, next year. Yeah, well, I saw the swap rates this morning and, you know, they come back quite a bit again. Yeah. You know, and they were already pricing in cuts middle of next year. So it's definitely come through. The um, interesting thing is, I mean, on this podcast, we've been talking about the New Zealand economy being weak for a while because we see it at the coalface. We can see the impact of the rising mortgage rates on consumer spending. I mean, for us, it's obvious. I guess less obvious, and we've certainly seen it coming through in the retail sales data, which on a per capita basis has been going backwards quite strongly. Definitely. The thing that I don't understand uh, is the Fed. So, because of course in the Fed, in the US market, I mean, that doesn't seem to have really slowed down much at all, right? The economic growth seems strong, share market's at record highs. I mean, the inflation's come back a yep. bit. Well, the main thing is the inflation rate has come down in the United States. They are three point something, I think, at the moment. There's an estimate I saw this morning that the main measure they look at, personal consumption expenditure, that maybe that's chugging along about 3.5%. So it's still above where they want it to be, but there's been good progress over the past year. And the consensus view is fairly strong internationally now that we're well away from the shock environment of a year 18 months ago when it was all looking pretty bad and the central bankers were really scared now they're yeah. less scared so this is probably going off topic slightly but in the new zealand market you know we know that you put interest rates up and it probably flows through to consumers wallets within two to three years fully 
translates through. Um, in Australia, it's a lot faster because they're all on floating rates. Because we fix, we're typically fixing for one or two years, it takes a wee while for those rate increases to pass through. In the US market, all of these consumers are borrowing on 30-year fixed rates. Most of the people I know in the US are still on mortgage rates of 2 or 3%, right? And, and what happens in the US is that people simply stop transacting, buying and selling properties, but they haven't had the same you know, vacuum cleaner sucking money out of their wallet. So the interest rate change in the US hasn't flowed through to consumer spending. So how the hell are they controlling inflation? Right, it's a, you've got to look at the uh, debt. So in New Zealand, 90-95% uh, of consumer debt is the mortgage, yep. basically. So mortgage rate changes has a big impact on households in New Zealand with mortgages, which is about one third of all households. In the United States, it's different in that uh, the proportion, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but there's a hell of a lot more that people have with general consumer credit, right. where the interest rates will change quickly. And so that's uh, highly relevant to the cost of financing motor vehicles, for instance, yeah. where the key driving force, frankly, of changes yeah. in sales for motor vehicles is the finance cost. Yeah. And so that feeds through relatively quickly into consumer durables financing uh, generally in the United States. Whereas, yeah, if you're locked into your 30-year fixed rate mortgage, meh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got you. Okay, so it's, it's more all of the debt associated with uh, consumer finance. Yep, but also there's a transmission mechanism through the share market in that many more people have investments, uh, uh, share market yep. portfolios in the United States. And so when interest rates go up, share prices tend to go down and that can make people a bit wary about their levels of wealth and future spending, etc. So they'll tend to cut back on that basis as well. That transmission mechanism in New Zealand, not so strong. We don't tend to talk in terms of, oh, the New Zealand share market is weak and and therefore consumer spending is going to be a lot weaker in New Zealand, whereas you do get that sort of commentary in many overseas economies. Yeah, got you. So if we come back to New Zealand, like, I mean, we know that we're still in tightening phase because although the Reserve Bank's not dropping the OCR, the reality is we've still got increasing mortgage rates coming through to borrowers. You know, there's about another 1% that's got to yep. transmit through over the next sort of uh, 6 to 12 months. So we're still tightening. We're tightening in an environment where retail sales is weak. We're tightening in an environment where a lot of farms are underwater at the moment with uh, where pricing's at. So all of the indicators are a weak economy. That's obviously what the Reserve Bank wants. Yep. Um, so it starts to see that next year, similar to us, okay, so maybe we start to see the OCR dropping some magnitude towards around the middle of next year. Where to from here? Because fundamentally, underneath all of this is a weak economy, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the Reserve Bank explicitly wants when they raise interest rates. They want to weaken the economy via uh, constraining consumer spending, crushing consumer spending, because that means that when businesses are looking at passing on cost increases in their selling prices that you and I would pay in the shop, they go, right, our costs have gone up by 10%. Right, we're going to put our price up 10%. Oh, yeah, nah. We can't do that because already people have pulled back on buying our couches and spas and our inventories are rising. So, okay, we're going to do something different. We cannot put the price up at all or I can only manage 3%. So that's ultimately what the Reserve Bank is aiming for and the Reserve Bank needs to be completely confident that business pricing behaviour has changed. And what they see at the moment is, yep, weakness falling consumer spending for uh, over a year, house construction is falling away as well, consumers overall are pessimistic about the economy, so they'd look at that and go, good, that transmission mechanism is underway, it's all rolling, okay, are businesses yet back to average or below average pricing intent? No. 
So on average, for the past three decades or so, a net 25% of businesses in the ANZ's monthly business outlook survey, a net 25% have said, I am putting my prices up over the next uh, 12 months. So that is the result consistent with inflation averaging 2.2%. Well, at the moment, you've got about a net 47% of businesses still saying, going to put my prices up in the next 12 months. It's not where the Reserve Bank wants. And they will need to see that indicator coming down a lot further before they will be convinced that they are locking in lower inflationary momentum. And the second thing they'll want to see is all the uh, evidence of weakness in the labour market actually flowing through to lower wages growth. So for businesses, maybe mm. two thirds of uh, many business costs are wages. And so if wages growth is strong, uh, it means they put, their, put up their selling prices. And New Zealand's labour market is highly deregulated. When labour is in short supply, you get strong wages growth, which was about 8.1% plus in New Zealand a year ago. It's slowed down a bit now, but it's got a lot further to go. So all of us economists believe, well, surely we're going to see a big drop in wages growth in the coming year. I'd say yes, but the Reserve Bank doesn't want to take the risk of assuming it's going to happen and yep. be wrong. So they'll want to actually see wages growth a lot, lot slower. And then the risk is they're going to get some of what they want to see relatively quickly in the first half of next year, and they'll have to change their tune and say, conditions are now looking better. Uh, we're thinking about you know cutting interest rate policy not too far down the track. The markets will be already anticipating that now, and so we could easily see some of these mortgage rates coming down over the next uh, few months, if not weeks, quite frankly. Yeah, it's an interesting one, eh? Because I think the other thing is, and it, this is true of an economy, but also just micro markets like Auckland and Wellington and stuff, you know, you get these different parts of the economy respond differently to the pressures that are going on. Like, there could quite possibly be parts of this economy that actually boom next year. Yeah. Um, and there'll be other parts of the economy that will be in a pretty tough recession, right? Yep. Retail's obviously one of those areas that's going to have a hard ride next year. Yep. You know, you know, high interest rates, weak demand, all this inflation that's flowed through. Like, for me personally, restaurants. Restaurants is a tough gig these days because shit, you know, going out and the, the main course is 40 bucks. I know. It's ridiculous. It's almost like we're going to get back to the situation in the 1970s where we, uh, my family, would go to the restaurant once of a year maybe. And that's when you ate chicken. That's a different situation, but that's, that's a separate story. Because <laughs> the only time you got chicken now, of course, you can buy it any time already cooked at the, at the supermarket. Yeah, the prices are, are a lot. And you see it at the cafes as well. You end up going, hang on, there's only three of us. We've got some basic stuff and my bill is $75. What just happened? And one of the easiest ways to save money if you need to be servicing, of course, your mortgage is to stop eating out um, and only eat and drink at home or at your, your friend's place, your relatives, etc. A big ask these days when we've got used to uh, doing that. But uh, yeah, it does mean I think the outlook for hospitality is, is going to be really constrained in the coming um, 12 months, especially because a lot of people, they've still been doing a bit of eating out and spending because they built up savings during the pandemic. We couldn't travel overseas, still had a job, wage subsidy scheme by the government was very successful, but now the savings used up. There's a lot more commentary about this in Australia and in the United States, but here in New Zealand, I think also we've had that phenomena. And now for, if people are running small businesses, the IRD are doing a bit of a catch up after a bit of a lack friendly approach during the pandemic it's going to be tough out there for a lot of retailers. You, you mentioned that earlier I think there's quite a big problem looming there because I see that coming through in some of the clients that we're dealing with where they've got these IRD loans you know pandemic loans and I guess they kind of treat it a bit like free money but that money wants to be paid back now yeah and yep. the businesses just haven't recovered enough 
and this is what happens in economic cycles. Oh, there's a lot of pain initially with the interest rates being high, etc. And then, as you can see, the light at the end of the tunnel. However, your cash flows are still no good. The consumers still aren't spending, and for many businesses, unfortunately, 2024 will be a story of they can't quite get to the end of the year when I think conditions will be starting to get quite different. When construction of houses will be falling next year, but it'll be looking a lot better for 2025, and yeah. there will be a general unfortunate weeding out of many businesses through 2024. Now the Reserve Bank will be wanting to get a feel for that and its broader impact on the economy and inflation through 2024. And it's one of the factors, it's one of the lagged effects of yeah. monetary policy having been tightened since late 21 and been tight for so long. And that's how monetary policy works. You, you raise your interest rate, it doesn't affect inflation for 18 to 24 months. And there is a risk that there's more negative lagged effects to run through the economy than the Reserve Bank have in fact allowed for. And also, if we look at their recent monetary policy statement, they didn't allow for any negative impact coming from the El Nino weather pattern hitting you know, pastoral production on the east coast of the North and South Islands. Um, they didn't make any allowance for tightening of fiscal policy by the incoming government uh, either. And they also, they, I think this is just their caution, didn't make much allowance for the migration boom leading to much lower wages growth, but they did allow for the extra upward pressure on rents coming through. So I think there are some adjustments the Reserve Bank will be making to their assessment of the economy through 2024, and it'll manifest itself at some stage as them saying, you know, inflation, yep, it's heading solidly down. We're pretty confident we're going to consolidate safely below 3% and the time is right to do some easing. The markets will have already anticipated that before yep. they say it. Of course, of course. And so we'll see the curve go even more inverted than it is at the moment. You're going to see lower long-term fixed rates. Those short-term rates will still be quite high yep. relatively, but that's a signal that things are about to change. Yep, that's, that's, um, that's what you get. On the bad side, I guess, if you're a homeowner, you've got a weak economy, so maybe job security is not quite as good if you're a business owner, you're probably going to have a tough year. On the positive side, you've got the prospect of some lower interest rates that might provide a little bit of a reprieve. What about house prices? Because, you know, we've got really high immigration coming through. Yep. Big positive. But the economy is not all that strong, so how does that play out? Yeah, well, house prices have already risen 4.9%, 4.9, almost 5% off their lows in May of this year. Auckland and Wellington are both up so far by 6.7%. We are now into month, uh, what's that, seven? June, July, August, September, October, November, December, month seven of the upward leg of the house price cycle. These cycles run for five to six years, the upward leg uh, of it. And so, you know, we're going to see further price gains, I'd suggest over 2024, 5, 26, etc. Um, my pick for this year had always been around about three to five percent prices growth. It'll yeah. end up being two and a half percent or so. Next year, I'd say 10% plus in 2025, 15% plus. As people buy into that, and they feel a bit more confident about where yeah. house prices are going, there'll be a positive wealth effect. I feel clever, uh, my house price has gone up, I've done absolutely nothing, let's shout ourselves something, basically. I do, however, think people overrate this one. I don't think the impact on the economy is as big as many people sort of think is necessarily the, the case. Um, and the same on the way down when house prices are falling, I think people overrate the negative impact on consumer spending. But uh, what the heck, it's going to be there on the positive side of the ledger through 24, house prices rising, and also then setting the scene for uh, house construction to pick up in 25, not next year, but 2025 house building picking up again.
Yeah, because I, I mean, when I think about the house price fall, I mean, we had in Auckland and Wellington a nominal house price fall of about 20, 22 yeah. percent. Yeah, um, But in real terms, if you add inflation over the top of that, you're, you're probably 35, 40 percent, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, they tried a big adjustment. Yeah. So it's a massive adjustment. So the way I think about it is if we're down in real terms about 40 percent, there or thereabouts, and we've still got inflation running above you know, average, then you know what we're really seeing out there is a bit of a price recovery. Uh, a pro- yeah, certainly some of it will be a price recovery, and then it'll be general momentum. Investors moving into the market as oh, here's an asset rising in price. I mm. will buy this asset and get some rise in price capital gain from it over usually a long period of, uh, of time. We've got the tax changes, which are yep. going to be bringing uh, investors back in as well. Yep. Not not a great flow for the moment because the interest rates are still high and also because the costs are rising so much of running a rental property, of the council rates, the maintenance, the insurance costs in particular. So people are going to be running their numbers. And at the moment, the numbers are saying, nah, nah it's not really nah. stacking up. And most people don't generally to run these sort of things and go on the basis of, yeah, but capital gains are guaranteed. You know you're going to get burnt off by cash flows. And if you're yeah. also hearing people saying, but the unemployment rate's going to go up to 5%, what if that's me? And I've geared into a property to ride capital gains over five years. Oh my goodness, what if I get burnt out of this in the space of 12 months? That'll restrain things initially, but the investors, yeah. they're going to naturally come back in the I've got, I've got I've got a similar view. Look, I, I, the way I saw it is probably the last 10 to 20 years, a big part of the fuel and the fire was the advent of this mum and dad investor coming into the market. And for lower income households as a way to build wealth for retirement, mm. right? And so we quite often saw people with relatively low incomes coming into the housing market to buy that second or third property and you know when they come in today and sort of go hey we'd love to buy a property it's like they're so far outside bank servicing criteria Uh, like often like several thousand dollars out yeah you know it's just like it's not going to happen yeah you need a, a material shift in interest rates you need higher incomes, you need higher rents coming through. One of the big factors that, that is really playing out in that is obviously high interest rates, um, but as you were saying before, look, the increase in rates and insurance has been massive. And I, 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 like when I'm looking at clients' property portfolios now, I just can't believe yeah. the cost that's sitting there against rates and insurance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what it means is that there's going to be much extra upward pressure on uh, rents, um, even though a lot of landlords don't really want to raise their rents, you know, we're, we're Kiwis, we want to do right by the, our tenants, etc. But the numbers are simply going to force rental uh, increases uh, through. And of course, with the migration boom, population is in calendar 2023, probably 3% growth. You know, there's been 2.5% boost to the population already in the year of October from migration flows. So, so what we've sort of said so far is that interest rates are going to hold for now because the Reserve Bank's going to hold as long as it, it can yeah. before it drops rate. So probably middle of next year would be a kind of shared view of that. House prices, probably reasonably static, at least for now, but um, as it looks like interest rates are gonna fall, you're gonna get probably a stronger housing market emerging through next year. Yep. Obviously a weak business, I guess that's probably a pretty good summary for next year. <laughs> well, 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 for the housing market, uh, uh, yeah. 
my job as an economist is try and understand what's happening right at the moment, but stand back and see the bigger mm. trends. And for the housing market, 2024, 25, you've got uh, number one, falling new house construction through 2024 before a recovery in 25. So yep. falling house supply initially. Interest rates are falling away through 2024, 2025. Strong population growth from the migration flows. Not so much, it's not as if the migrants are buying houses, but they'll be pushing people who are renting to look at buying as soon as they uh, possibly can. So we've also got the tax changes running through encouraging yeah. the investors into the market. And so it just says to me there's going to be further upward pressure on house prices. Is there a risk next year that we could end up in some sort of stagflation environment where, like, you know, for example, if this large amount of low-quality immigration coming into the country is not creating per capita GDP growth, we're going backwards, we're getting poorer on a per capita basis, it's basically putting us under pressure in terms of the housing market. It's pushing rents up. Rents flow through into the CPI number. Is there a risk that we've got other things going on, all sorts of things which are hard to predict, but you know, because oil prices are down at the moment, but they look like they were heading to the stars. Um, is, there, is there a risk that we could end up with um, you know, a level of inflation that's still not satisfactory to the Reserve Bank and a really weak economy? Oh, it's always a risk, but the Reserve Bank are predicting three weeks ago that inflation come the end of uh, next year will be 2.5%, yeah. and then going down towards 2% over 2025. So you know, they fully expect the inflation rate will go down, but it's a question of yeah, what sort of growth rate is going to be able to achieve while keeping the inflation you know, down at that low level. You know, in their model, they still had their cash rate at, well, higher than 5.5% through to the middle of 2025. So they're saying, well, yeah, we're going to be successful with inflation, but it's only because we're keeping the interest rate through uh, at a high level for another year and a half. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the economy will be weak enough and inflation suppressing enough that they can cut the interest rates so earlier than they show there. But certainly the economy, I think the outlook is still relatively weak for 2024. Although there's the positives of the tourism numbers building, the foreign students coming back in again, lots yep. of infrastructure spending to be done. There's still the lagged negative effect of high interest rates from late 2021. You've got, uh, I guess, the cost of living impact on people's you know, standard of living generally and, and ability to uh, spend, the high interest rates themselves. Themselves, uh, restraining growth as well and, and uh, El Nino weather pattern probably going to be impacting on farm incomes out there as well house building falling away just lag defect after the previous boom through to uh, early last year uh, for instance you put all these negative things together there and uncertainty about mm. what's happening overseas and uh, you know to me it says maybe one one and a half percent growth in the economy next year but also inflation coming down so I'm not seeing a stagflation environment I'm seeing one more of relatively weak economy producing relatively low inflation. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Hey, well, that's probably a really good place to um, finish our podcast today. So thanks very much for joining us. I know our listeners would have uh, really enjoyed that one. And uh, talk again soon. Yeah, thanks very much, John. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.